Why are you driving the ambulance? I don't know. Why am I? Why am, why am I? Or why is my character driving? Because it, that's a, two okay. different stories. The character, yeah. it makes sense why the character will be <laughs> driving right. the ambulance. Well, I would argue against both, actually. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that's, uh... Hello, and welcome to Revenge of the Drive-In. We've got a very... Well, let's correct that. Mildly exciting episode in store for you today as we've got Michael Bay's 2022 film Ambulance as well as the 1958 film Born Reckless. I'm your mm-hmm. host, Patrick, and I am joined by... Jim. Hello, everybody. Hello, Patrick. How are you, pal? So, we didn't have you last episode. It's good to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to... It's kind of good to have Michael Bay back. It's good to have a callback to the only other film that he's done or that <laughs> that, that he directed that we did, which I, I couldn't believe that. I, I it's, it's one thing to quote the movie. It's another thing to draw attention to what movie it is. And I seem to recall. I So I'm not super into Michael Bay. I, I've seen me. I, th- I think this is the third Michael Bay film I've seen, but I do know there is a scene... Really? I know there's a scene in one of the Transformers movies where he's where uh, Shia LaBeouf has a Bad Boys poster in his room, and that's or maybe it's Bad Boys Two or something. Wait, that's like a, wait, that's a hold Michael on. Bay film. You you've never seen Bad Boys One or Two? <laughs> no. Really? You've never seen the first Transformers movie? No, I I, I haven't. Is that is that Uh-oh. is that being held against me? Am I being exposed as a fraud for? No. <laughs> No. Because I I can talk about the movie Twice Dead, but I haven't seen a Transformers movie. Like what? What's the, what's the problem? <laughs> I'm I don't just, understand. I'm, just and surprised. I'm, even, I'm like, just surprised. I think we all have those uh, blind spots in our movie going experience, e- even among big movies. Like for the long time, The Matrix was a blind spot, and I watched mm-hmm. that for the first time probably five years ago. So like I was late to the party with the matrix late to the party with the fast and furious movies. At one point I had seen them all and then they've made seemingly 12 more since then. So <laughs> I am probably never catching back up, but yeah, I, the transformers, I guess is that major blind spot for me now, but it's not a blind spot that I care to remedy all that much just because of the reputation of those movies. I will say, to go on record here, I would say that the first Transformers movie is a genuinely good movie. I've heard that from some people before, sure. Yeah, then after that, it it, it really takes a nosedive. And I have not seen the first, like all five. Well, I heard Bumblebee was good, but I don't know if Michael Bay had anything to do with that. He might be like exactly Probably not. Well, he's also more of like a producer now these days, right? I don't know. I think I think he just I think he ends up producing movies that he just doesn't care enough to direct. Like he produced <laughs> like those Ninja Turtles movies, and it's like those are Michael Bay movies, but for one reason or another, he just didn't want to direct them. I think so. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Well, Ambulance. I mean, you say he doesn't direct anymore. He just produces. Like Ambulance came out a year ago. What are you talking okay. about? Sh- okay. Sh- should we get into it? <laughs> should we sure. Because just- I. I'm really upset with this movie. We we have watched some bad movies before on this podcast. I think that this yeah. might actually take the cake for the worst movie that we've featured on this really? podcast. That's yeah, surprising so. to me. I enjoyed this one. No, you didn't. What? Yes. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a masterpiece. I enjoyed it. What was so bad about it? Well, let's, let's j- jump into the plot and you can detail your issues with it. Well, before we even jump into the plot, I just want to say the movie is shot poorly. Like as in like it looks like like a like a like NCIS. In some or ways, it is. In some ways, it's shot amazingly. 
the way he utilizes drones like yes any any low budget filmmaker can use a drone to accomplish certain shots only a filmmaker with a budget can do some of the drone shots that he does where the dr- drones are like weaving in and out of car chases i thought that was yeah, amazing i mean yeah there's some awesome stuff with drones but like there's too much like rooftop like going down where the camera's just yeah, kind of going well, everywhere well, i felt like, like i was watching a spider-man movie like a lot the of Sam the drone shots the pov a lot of the drone shots and like the quick cuts and the shaky cams and the brief close-ups and the dutch angles and the quick pans and the quick zooms and mixed with extreme quick zooms and like it, they're all fucking nauseating they really are i was watching this movie and i was getting i don't think they all Ill. are i think some of them are there's some really cool drone shots that that like again there were standouts but this is a movie that really showcases both the best and worst of michael bay because at his best he can put together a scene uh, uh, an exciting action scene and he knows how to competently shoot things and at his worst the character stuff is there's little to no attention to it and it's it's underwritten and also there's terrible humor mixed in so oh, apparently yeah, references yeah. to his own movies that's a, that's a thing i guess he does and <laughs> i guess so right yeah and then I, there's a little too much shaky cam but that's not a michael bay thing that's a modern action movie thing and i didn't think this was as bad an offender as a lot of other movies i've seen this whole movie just pissed me off and on top of that this movie i i, I was thinking about like all the drone shots and i was like you know what i was like th- there's no way that this is like a real movie this is like a project to showcase like drone work in movies or something that's what i thought and when i looked it up this movie had been in like development hell since like 2015 or something some fucking studio acquired the rights or or the remake rights to this danish film of the same name that had come out in like 2005 and it had just been kind of bounced around between a bunch of different directors and studios and stuff and then michael bay in like the beginning of the pandemic was like oh i just want to get out there and film something and (laughs) i I loved how he 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 chose to do this movie because he envisioned this as this would be a small movie that he could shoot during the pandemic there's nothing small about i know i know it was big it was all over the top and (laughs) like most of it actually doesn't take place in an ambulance you know like there's like the ambulance is crucial to the plot okay it doesn't matter how much takes place in it it is, but I mean, like, I, I like the idea that he also thought that he wanted something that was kind of, like, small and confined and relatively claustrophobic, but then half of the movie yeah. is racing around the streets of L.A. That's the Michael Bay instincts getting in the way. This is, in in, in to the, this movie's credit, I think it kind of works, but I think he envisioned this, or maybe the scriptwriter envisioned this as, and I have no idea what the original film is, is like, I don't, I don't know, I, apparently Michael Bay didn't see the original film because he wanted to make it his own i i think it's because he can't read subtitles but <laughs> he envisioned this or someone envisioned this as like a. I I always think of rear window as like a really tightly contained movie in like one location or you know there's other examples like a phone booth which i haven't seen but that's a movie that takes place in a phone booth at least primarily i guess and uh yeah and then the the bombastic michael bay doesn't really let that happen but i don't care as long as i'm entertained and in this with this movie i was entertained thoroughly for the first hour and a half and then i think it went downhill but well i'm glad you were entertained for the first hour and a half 
That's my brother, Will. I could use some help. My wife needs this surgery. This is real life. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family, your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? This movie is about these two brothers. There's these two brothers named Will and Danny. They are adopted brothers. Will is played by, I'm sure I'm going to butcher his his name, it's Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. The villain of Aquaman 2, based on the trailer. I haven't seen that movie. Oh, really? He's, he's a side villain in the first Aquaman movie. He's not a huge part, but I guess he comes back because he's such a memorable, memorable character. Then you have Jake Gyllenhaal playing yeah. Danny. I don't know if I've ever thought Jake Gyllenhaal's a good actor. Like, I, I feel like I've seen him be good in things. And, I mean, if he wasn't a good actor, he, he, he wouldn't be working, I guess. But I don't know what it was in this. Maybe he was just excited to be out of the house at the first part of the pandemic. He's having fun with this movie. He is chewing the scenery in a way that works in certain scenes. But overall, I'm not certain what to make of his performance in general i think jake gyllenhaal is very good i've seen him in a lot of movies where i'm like wow he's awesome but he he like he does this thing where maybe it's the way the character is written too but you know he's essentially the villain even though he's kind of the main character it's him and yeah yeah but he's like he's like the psychopathic criminal mastermind but he also can weave into that like extremely friendly professional thing which he does obviously in the big scene when the cop stumbles upon the robbery but he does it a few times later on and then he kind of weaves from that to extreme screaming into the camera and it's kind of jarring every time that changes yeah i don't know I, i just wasn't the biggest fan of his in this movie but yeah so these two are adopted brothers you don't really learn this until later in the movie i believe but their dad was a bank robber who was it's, like it's implied early on it's it's implied early on they okay okay so I, I totally missed that but yeah he had yeah. robbed like a bunch of banks and killed some cops and stuff and apparently he was a pretty i don't think the killing is hinted at but it's definitely alluded to that this was like a family business danny has kind of stayed in that career criminal life whereas Will, in like the second scene of the movie, we have him on the phone to uh, like his insurance company. He's sitting in his living room at his house and the camera's like panning around. You see his purple heart and some medals and a book on Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. So, so Will isn't committing domestic crimes. He's busy committing war crimes. He's still a yeah. criminal, probably. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, okay, sure. Let's go with that. But uh, he's got some financial problems. His wife is sick and they have a baby and his wife needs a surgery or something or other. I was amazed at how sloppily that was handled. It was like the very first scene. He's on the phone and she's got the baby. And I don't think they even say what she has until no, like no, no. I, I... he's talking to Isaac Gonzalez later on, like an hour later. It was very sloppy. Yeah, I tend to be honest, I don't even remember what she has. I was just like... Some form okay. of cancer. And it's an experimental surgery, you know. <laughs> Will goes to Danny against his wife's wishes. He needs some financial help. And as he goes up to Danny, Danny's literally in the middle of putting together a crew for a heist on a bank. 
and there's this kind of slightly jarring scene where like Jake Gyllenhaal keeps on getting slightly more worked up before the heist actually happens and then Will is there and he's like are you gonna join are you gonna join and it just cuts to Jake Gyllenhaal kind of circling Will and he's like are you gonna join you got 10 seconds you got five seconds and off camera Will joins in Danny's bank heist plan. Will is worried because he sees all the guns being loaded up and Danny's like, no, no, this is all just, this is for protection. We don't anticipate firing a single shot or anything. You know, that's... He kind of comes across as like a, a gentlemanly robber. And from what we learn from the FBI agent later in the film, is this the first time he's, or people have died on any of his robberies? Because we know that his dad was a crazy person, killed a bunch of people, including cops and stuff. But I, I don't think they, they say that he's like a master criminal, Danny, but has he, has, 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 th- have things gone smoothly so far in his prior so. missions? I think they have, yeah. Because he's never been caught, but they kind of know that it's him, but they can't pin anything to him. So as this is going on, we're also introduced to another character, one of the other main characters, a woman named Camille, who's played by Eliza Gonzalez. Eliza. Here on out, she's she's referred to as Cam, which was confusing because the wife was Kim, right? Yeah, the wife is Kim, I think. Or yeah. no, no, and I thought they called her no, Kim. The wife is Amy. The bank teller is Kim. Okay, that's what it was. Yes, yes. The uh, okay. Also, also really, really minor nitpick, but Cam, I kind of like the setup there where they, where they show she's with a rookie, um, ambulance driver and they go and rescue an impaled child from like a wrought iron fence in a, in a car accident. They save her and she's like super smooth and calm and she's like nice to the kid and is like, okay, what's your name? You know, look at me and, and all this. And then they bring her to the hospital and then she's done she doesn't care at all about that and that's and that's like her thing is that this is this is a job like you can't get too wrapped up emotionally with with the people you're you're saving otherwise you know you're and and she's explaining this this to the the other guy the, the rookie and then it ends up being a very sloppy character arc but i do like how it's, they set that up the saving the kid I didn't realize this was an R-rated film until we actually started like seeing the blood and, and stuff. It's like, oh, this is see Michael Bay's going for it in a way. But then the the nitpick comes. First of all, who's the name of the driver? What's that guy's name? I have no idea. Let's call him Ted, though. Well, she takes Ted out. She specifically says, "Do you like is it burritos or enchiladas?" It's one of the Mexican enchiladas. She's she, like, hey, she she literally stops and she goes, "I'm hungry. I want some enchiladas." But then when they're eating, they're eating sushi. I know. I know. He is 100% eating sushi. Is <laughs> I know. I, I don't understand it. The thing that annoys me about this scene is that you're introduced to, like, strong female character, but you're introduced to her in a way that, like, she's almost too strong to the point where, like, she just comes across as an asshole, right? Like like Brie Larson did in the, yeah. in the fucking Marvel movies, right? Not well, I sure I maybe, but no, I yeah, I see what you mean, but what's, yeah, what's, so so you're okay. like you made her too hard right off the bat, and I don't care about her. I'm just kind of like oh, like it's nice that she saved this kid, but she's kind of a bitch. No, but they establish that's because of her job, and then later on we get some backstory, and she was addicted to speed, and it's like yeah, sure, whatever. But no, that's it to me. That's because of her job. That's not. She's not just like an asshole she's kind of an asshole but she's an asshole because 
I mean, can you imagine being like an EMT, like, you know, in an ambulance and you see people, you're trying to save these people and I don't know, half of them die in the back of the ambulance while you're giving them CPR or something? That would be miserable. Like, I, I feel like you would have to kind of be like this. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I've, yeah. Listen, I'm not I'm not saying it's the greatest character arc in the world, but I, I'm just saying I, I like the setup for her. So we've met these three characters. Now there's another two characters we meet, both varying degrees of importance here. We meet like four characters in this scene. This is weird because, yes, we meet the, we meet the police officers who stumble upon the thing, which I yeah. assume is what you're going to talk, talk yes, about. Yeah. But we also kind of meet the SIS guy who's running like the bank robbery division, who's wearing USC stuff, which automatically makes me hate him. He shows up, he has like one line, he's got yeah. a giant dog in the back seat, he's of driving a, a beat car. up car. They're doing like a Columbo thing with him because Columbo drives a piece of shit car and uh, also has like a big ugly dog at one point. I think it's a Basset Hound. <laughs> this dog is like massive. What is this? A Tibetan Mastiff or something? This oh, dog yeah, is yeah. It's, it's got to be some kind of a Mastiff. It's huge. But but he only shows up for like two seconds. And then and then later on, we really meet him. But I thought it was weird that he was even here, I guess. Yeah, because nothing's actually explained. So we hard cut to these two cops who were just hanging out shooting the shit. And they're talking about the movie The Rock. And yeah, which is embarrassing. That is so it, it, it bad. Is, it is. Actually, how it comes up is this one It's cop, your favorite line, though. It is, yeah. I was kind of excited by that. I wrote it down in my notes. But this one cop, he's he's got this thing for this teller at the bank named Kim. And he's telling his partner. And his partner's like, well, did you ask her out? And he goes, no, no, I didn't ask her out. And then this is when his partner goes, you ever seen the movie The Rock? He goes, Sean Connery says, you know, losers always... He, he paraphrases. He, he says, whi- he says whiners. Whine. Yeah, and then he's like, and, and winners, winners go home with the prom queen or whatever. I think he says fuck, but yeah. Yeah, and the partner's like, okay, fine, you're right. I'll go to the bank and ask this chick out. So as the cops pull up to the bank, we're introduced to some side characters who we don't know their names, but they're sitting in a car with, like, no markings, and they're not wearing uniforms, and they radio this guy in a tiny car with a big dog. And they're like, uh, there's some cops pulling up to the bank, and the guy goes, uh, they're gonna fuck it all up. And then you think, is this guy a criminal? What's happening? And then the guy in the tiny car with the big dog goes... I need you to kill Danny and his crew. That's what you're here to do. You're here to kill them. And then you're like, oh, nothing has been explained. I guess these are bad guys. I have a question. Did I miss something? Because these guys, they, you know, the USC guy, Garrett Dillahunt, who um, is such a great actor. He played two completely different characters on the show Deadwood for some reason. I found that very distracting because he <laughs> dies like a couple episodes in and he just shows up later in the season. I'm like, what? But... They already know. He he handles, like, the bank robbery division, right? They call it SAS, which is is a thing in Los Angeles. Well, I, police, I think I guess. there's two divisions. He's the captain of some division. But then there's SIS. Also a, okay, yeah, the division there's that also I've a, named several times, yes. But then there's another guy who's the head of, like, this bank robbery division. Though that's the FBI bank robbery division. It's different. Oh, okay. Okay. The So, the, so these, the SIS guys know this bank is going to be robbed. But they also, you would think, okay, they've done a ton of research. They know who Jake Gyllenhaal is, but they don't. That was weird because the FBI guy knows who he is, but he didn't know that this bank robbery was going on. He just kind of already knows him. He knows him personally, and then he also knows him professionally for it. But they did know that that the bank robbery was going on because he had guys stationed outside of the bank waiting for them to come out. 
That's what I'm saying. The SIS guys know, but they don't know Jake Gyllenhaal. So how did they know it was being robbed? Was there was someone on the inside, you know, of of Jake Gyllenhaal's team? Did he tip them off? Because if so, I feel like I they didn't show who. But most of the guys die once the thing happens. So I don't know. Well, yeah, well, I, I think slightly before or slightly after we're introduced to, to SIS man, he mentions that they've been aware of Jake Gyllenhaal and his robberies for some time, and they've been trying to catch him. Well, no, he doesn't He doesn't name Jake Gyllenhaal. He says he's aware of, like, this—I think he calls it, like, the San Francisco team or something. He has—he refers to them by, like, some city, probably okay, yeah. a city yeah. where they also robbed a bank. But the who this guy is is still news to him. Okay, yeah. So he, he is somehow vaguely aware of these people, and he does have police or, like, agents or whatever stationed outside of the bank— yeah, but how does he? But how does how does he know the bank is going to be robbed have, if he I doesn't no even idea. know this the name of anyone who's affiliated with? You're this right. Group. I have I have that literally part, no I idea. Understand. I feel like there has to be an inside man, but he just gets killed in the in the shootout yeah, or maybe, something, and they just maybe. didn't get a chance to. Maybe it's the guy in uh, Birkenstocks. Yeah, <laughs> guy who gets yeah. run over by a car. Well, okay. So these two cops roll up to the bank, and so many issues could have been solved if Jake Gyllenhaal didn't let this cop into the bank, okay? So it turns out that Jake Gyllenhaal and his heist crew beat these cops to the bank by, like, you know, a few minutes or whatever, right? The cops don't know that the robbery is going on. This cop just wants to go out and try to ask this girl out. So the cop goes to open the door, and the door's locked. And he goes, that's weird. So instead of just being, like, a rational person and being like, oh, maybe I'll come back later to interrupt a girl at work, he starts banging on the door. Well, well, and, and not just like the so then Jake Gyllenhaal in disguise as the bank manager tells them they're doing something and they can't let anyone in for, for twenty you could minutes. Have easily, you could have easily gone. You know, if if you're Jake Gyllenhaal, you could have just been. It's company policy. It's bank policy. We can't even even a police officer like we can't do anything. Yeah, he I I assume is worried that that would raise suspicions and maybe it would, but. On the other hand, this police officer who's trying to ask this girl out, he has no bank business to do. Instead, is is pressuring the bank manager, you know, who obviously isn't a bank manager. But that is just about the last person, I the, the last occupation that I want to pressure, <laughs> whether yeah, I'm a police well, officer he, or not. I feel like actually, this guy's... When he actually yeah. knocks on the door, he goes, what's up? You're closed? Right? And Jake Gyllenhaal's like, uh, we're transferring money to an armored car or whatever. It's going to take about 20 minutes. Just company policy to close the door. And the cop says, and I quote, Oh, well, I'm on my hour break and I just wanted to open a bank account with you guys. Yeah, then he lies and says he has bank business, which he, yeah, and then, I guess and he's then just Jake going Gyllenhaal to do goes, that. And, yeah. yeah, and then Jake Gyllenhaal goes, Oh, well, sorry, it'll have to wait 20 minutes or something. And the cop goes, Well, can I do it now? And Jake Gyllenhaal goes, Uh, okay, come in. Yeah. And then the cop goes, I promise I won't rob you. <laughs> Here's another place where he, Jake Gyllenhaal completely screws up because Jake Gyllenhaal, or this cop is going up to the line and he's going to be handled by this one man. And he's like, I was actually hoping to speak to Kim. And then yes. he asks Jake Gyllenhaal for Kim's last name. And he tries to do it from memory because they've got the name plaque there or whatever. He could easily just say like, I'm sorry, law enforcement or not, like, I'm not divulging that, like, you'll have to ask her, like, it's not my business to give away employee information, (laughs) you could have done that, but no, he instead says the wrong last name, which... Or, Or even, like, we don't even know, like, we as the audience don't know what Kim looks like, 
right? And it seems that when the cop is asking Jake Gyllenhaal, he goes, I want, I want to hear, I'm, I want to talk to Kim. Oh, what's your last name? Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't even know who the fuck Kim is, right? Because he just kind of turns and goes, oh, uh, Kim here? You know, like, for like for all for all he knows, Kim could be one of the people tied up on the floor behind the counter right now. That's true. That's and true. it just so happens that the girl sitting at the desk there, who's not tied up, is Kim. Well, yes, yes. But, listen, I'm... It's, Which is <laughs> why this movie we're is taking but, That's one of the many reasons, this, in but, my opinion. Uh, Let's continue. Jake Gyllenhaal could, could also be like, okay, this is a relatively young police officer. He wants to speak to a woman. I'm assuming he wants to speak to the only woman other, under 75 that works here. Because all the other <laughs> ladies are old. Okay, is that sure, old yeah. Asian lady who gets in the elevator who's not not an employee, but I assume she's tied up in the back too. Last name Kim. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I guess this was filmed during the pandemic, or like uh, it was. Yeah, it was I filmed mean, in twenty twenty, and it took thirty eight days to film. Apparently, took thirty eight minutes to write. Coincidentally, I, oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I like it is. <laughs> it types four hundred words a minute. <laughs> okay, so this cop goes up to Kim, starts chatting Kim up, and then he realizes, he's like, he kind of realizes something's wrong because she starts crying, and he goes, what's going on here? And then I think he sees somebody tied up, like, on the ground, and he goes, and he turns around, and he puts his hand on his gun, and Jake Gyllenhaal pulls out a pistol and goes... No, he does he does I don't think he sees anyone tied up. He just notices that Kim is flustered, and then he also sees the the name placard, and, and it's a last name that was different from what the bank manager gave. Oh, okay, Again, yeah. he didn't need to give the last name. Yeah, so he turns around and, and and Jake's got him held up at gunpoint, and he's like, "Look, we're robbing this bank. Don't you fucking move. Take your hand off your gun. Wave to your partner and smile. Pretend like everything's fine." So he does, and they continue to rob the bank. And th- there's like a kerfuffle going on too with one of his partners. He's like driving a van, and the van breaks down, and the other cop out there helps him fix it. Well, then they rob the bank, and instead of for some reason, instead of leaving the way they came and going into the parking garage where they parked the car that they all came in they decide to run out the front door at which well, point everybody's like all those well, undercover cops put police vests on and just start shooting them <laughs> and this other guy driving the van tries to run over friend cop cop that's the friend of zach who's who's the cop who's who's trying to ask out kim and all hell just breaks loose immediately yeah well hang on first of all They got dropped off in, like, the parking garage, presumably underneath the building. Mm -hmm. I don't think they parked, though, because it's the the truck that is picking them up is the truck that dropped them off. So he was going to circle around the block, and he was supposed to pick them up someplace else, but then he can't even get there because the engine breaks down. down. Was that the reason, though, or or did they just run out the front door? Because the car was fixed. Before they came outside. Yes, but I think at that point the cops were moving in on them and then they couldn't. I don't know. I I feel like I don't really understand why the van didn't stay parked. I'm not sure. Because there was an undercover cop in the garage, but they didn't know that. Well, okay. So all all, all the guys, pretty much like 90%, like everybody who's part of the heist team, except for Jake Gyllenhaal and Will, run outside and they all get fucking killed. They all get gunned down by these police officers. While that's going on, Captain of SIS pulls up with his big dog in a, and his tiny car. And he's like, did we get all of them? Jake Gyllenhaal and Will have escaped through the parking garage. 
with the police officer captive as, as yeah a yeah yeah they, they've kind of got him hostage and then the, the cop tries to grab jake gyllenhaal and he turns and he just like he just like shoots him in the leg or whatever and he goes that's what happens when you fucking touch me <laughs> so they leave him there and this cop's partner finds him laying on the ground severely injured and he calls for an ambulance and this is where our friend Cam and her ambulance shows up. And she rolls into the parking garage with her driver. And almost immediately, after packaging the cop up, <laughs> their ambulance is stolen by Jake Gyllenhaal and Will. And the driver's thrown out. So now you have two hostages. We have Cam and the cop who's badly injured. And then we have Will and Jake. Who's been shot twice, but they only know at this point of one bullet wound in his leg. But he's also been shot, like, through the chest. Yeah, and and we only... We learn that he's been shot through the t- chest an hour later just to keep things suspenseful. Well, I, I it was it was set up though because there like there was like a, any other wounds and 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 the cop didn't know the the cop who tended to his partner didn't know because he didn't have time to find out and and he obviously wasn't there when it happened. But Will does fire more than once, so it, it makes sense that there would be. Yeah. So everybody leaves. The cop, or sorry, the the. SIS captain, who's almost played like a comedic relief character, he pulls his big stinky dog out of the car because the dog was eating Korean barbecue with him last night. Yeah, farting all over the place. <laughs> we needed that detail. We needed yeah. not only is it a big dog, but it has to be a stinky dog too. We needed to establish that. Yeah. I know. So he takes the dog out. And he goes, "Take my dog home," and somebody puts it in the back of a cop car. And then he carries on with his day. And their their first order of business is to find the ambulance, which is pretty easy because they immediately put a helicopter in the air and they find the ambulance like parked in an alleyway. And at this point, Will and Danny are both realize that they're kind of screwed. And Cam, she's like, well, I got to get the hell out of here. So she tries to escape after spraying Danny and Will with a fire extinguisher. And she's most of the way down this alley outside of the ambulance when... Danny Hopkins. Can, can I can I say you find a fire extinguisher and you can use it to escape? Why do you spray it and not bash them over the head with it? I, I guess know. maybe she didn't think she could get both of them, but it's it, fire extinguisher is a pretty good weapon, not just a distraction. I know. Well, so my favorite part is she runs away. She's like at the mouth of this alleyway. She's at the entrance of this alleyway, and that's when Jake Gyllenhaal gets out of the ambulance and points the gun at her, and he goes, "Stop! Don't move! Come back!" And she goes, "Okay, I guess I'm caught." <laughs> And she she's saunters on over she's the like ambulance. she's got like hundreds of yards before the alley ends. She's not like it's, she can't get away there. But it, I did think it was kind of it, 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 he didn't Jake Gyllenhaal didn't fire a warning shot or anything. He just said stop. And she's like, oh, I guess I've got a gun pointed on me. <laughs> yeah, she I didn't mean, turn she did, around. Or obviously, she just stopped. No, no. Yeah, and then this is kind of where the movie gets visually interesting because from here on out we get lots of car chases. And cars flipping and stuff. This chunky ambulance is now on the run from like dozens of cop cars. And because there's an injured cop in the back of the ambulance, there is a no ramming order put out to all these units. But somehow this stupid ambulance is outmaneuvering cop cars left and right. Well, driving past them. And and this is is, the setup here is that Will is an incredible driver. He and Danny used to steal cars. Yeah, well, and then and then they because they eventually do up, like some maneuvers that they did years ago or whatever. Well, then they also keep on bringing up his time in like the army. No, Marines, Marines, not army. 
Well, and there's also a clear distinction between Will and Danny in terms of their attitudes towards the injured cop and towards Cam, because I, I this was kind of frustrating that it's like the whole thing was like, if that cop dies, you're in prison for life. And it's like, isn't he already, though? I mean, it's like, come on. How many people just died? How, how, how come Jake Gyllenhaal didn't push the cop out of the back of the ambulance in the alleyway with Cam and said, get the fuck out of here, we're driving away? I don't know if he considered it, but I think Will wouldn't have let him in that instance. Because Will does actually want to... Will Will is the one who shot this guy and is immediately like, oh, he shot him because he kind of had to, but he's not happy with it because he just he's in it for the money. He doesn't want to hurt anyone. He's a good guy. He's John Q. He just wants the money for the surgery. But now he could have potentially killed someone, so... He wants to make sure yeah. that this cop is okay, but they also can't just go to a hospital because they'll be caught. Yeah. It's not the most compelling drama in the world, not the most compelling character work in the world, but I thought it was all sufficient for the plot that they had. Yeah, which, like, I think I think it was all pretty weak, but that's okay because I think the plot itself was pretty weak. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, this is, I mean, at the end of the day, this is not a movie about the plot. It's about car chases and eating Korean barbecue with yeah. with dogs. And, and I mean, listen, I don't think any Michael Bay film is truly about the plot, but I'm okay with that. I'm, I can accept big, dumb action in certain instances, and I think there's enough going on to keep you invested in between big, dumb action scenes. And it's like, it's mostly big, dumb action scenes at this point on, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, you, I'm surprised to hear you're so negative. You're you're a big fan of The Rock, which I am. Well, a big, but you know what? I thought I love decent. Armageddon. I've never seen Armageddon. I think I like The Rock. I like Armageddon. I like the first Transformers. I think the difference is you have interesting characters in those movies. Do you though? In the yeah, Stanley and, and you also Goodspeed, have a, but you also have an well, Stanley like, Goodspeed. He's no, an but Sean Connor is the cool character in that movie. Yeah, sure. Or um. Or what's sure, his name? Yeah, I, uh, I'll give you. You have one interesting character. No, what's his name? The, the the Colonel, the bad guy, the Colonel in the movie. Oh, Ed Harris. Okay. Yeah, Ed Harris. Thank you. Well, and and this is what they tried, and and again, it doesn't fully work. They it, with Jake Gyllenhaal because he is a master, a criminal mastermind, right? Which you know we've seen that character a bunch of times, but he's also like psychotic. Like it's he, established. He's not likable. He. A, no, he well, he's not supposed to be likable though. But he does have at least somewhat of a devotion to his brother, which can take away from the psychotic nature of him. Will is the one we're supposed to root for, and Will is the one who's conflicted. Jake Gyllenhaal yes. is mustache twirler. Yeah, which basically. is a shame though. I mean, because I, I think they had the opportunity to make an interesting villain with Jake Gyllenhaal's acting in that kind of like crazy way because i mean like one of the i think one of the best villains written in a movie in like the last decade is javier bardem in skyfall okay. he plays that so well he plays that kind of crazy and unstoppable really well almost almost in the same way as 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 he played in um no country for old men he was just you know but jake gyllenhaal he doesn't do anything that makes you kind of laugh, kind of chuckle and go like, oh, <laughs> that's sort of relatable. You know what I mean? Like, Javier Bardem in Skyfall was kind of relatable. 
I think they tried and it doesn't really work. Like when he listens to music to kind of calm his nerves because he's like he's like kind of flamboyant in a way. The way he's talking, he's got the turtleneck like, yeah, they're going for something there that didn't quite work for me. But it also didn't like ruin the character. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a perfect villain by any means, but it's like I thought. I don't know. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal brought it. Like I said, I don't think his performance fully works, but is he unpredictable? I think he is, and that's kind of the one thing he needs to be. I do agree with that. Well, I guess like getting back into the movie, much of the movie is just car chases from this point on, which I think we've already mentioned. But Yeah, but I I think you're underselling how good the car chases are, though. I'm not saying they're the best that's ever been done. Some of the car chases in this movie are fantastic. I will will grant you that. And this is where the drone footage is amazing. There's one scene in particular where they're in like an empty lot or something and it's in the bright LA sun. Mm -hmm. The drone, we're we're shooting from the perspective of a drone here and it flies like in front of a couple cars as they're going 70, 80 miles an hour. Maybe they're not going that fast, but you know. Yeah, but it it definitely looked like like that. And it goes in between cars and it's like genuinely amazing. And again, this is... (laughs) <laughs> I said this earlier, but every low-budget filmmaker nowadays uses drones. Neil Breen uses drones. <laughs> Neil Breen could not ac- create a scene like this no. with drones. Now, I no. understand there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of films in between, in terms of quality, between Neil Breen and this. But I think, I think this is where Michael Bay's staging of the action sequences, which is the thing that he's most known for in, in terms of a positive light... He he's he's found he he found a way to like perfectly utilize this kind of technology. Drones were made to bomb people and commit war crimes, but in terms of filmmaking, this is what drones were made to do. This is like this is the best use of drones I've seen on film. I'm going to compare it to something that I don't feel great about because this isn't on the level of it, but there's some action sequences that really stand out to you. Not just because they're like great action scenes, but because you can point to something specific within the filmmaking, whether it's the choreography, the cinematography. The one I think a lot of people would go to is that one in Old Boy in the hallway. It's just one long take, and it's incredible choreography. This, to me, is the car chase equivalent of that. It's not as good, but you, you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I really liked the shot when they go into like an empty warehouse. And that's that's the scene when they have to pull back because uh, that's when the USC oh, yeah. guy, uh, yeah, Captain but... Dillahunt, realizes that uh, his dog is is involved in the... Yeah, because... <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, well, because so... at one point, the, the cop whose partner is in the ambulance steals a cop car. And it happens to be the cop car that the dog is in, which is a essentially a get out of jail free card for for yeah, one particular which, action scene which i want to get back to that in a few minutes i guess but but going back to that drone shot of that because it, it, it's like a parking garage like full of posts like like big concrete pillars and the cars yeah. are well like, I, I thought it was like a warehouse or something because like when they're outside this building whatever it is they're driving on like the elevated area which i presume trucks would back into and deliver their payloads so to speak yeah, but it's a, it's a really cool shot and, like, technically impressive. But <laughs> there's not enough technically impressive shots to save this movie from, I think, like, the poor writing and just, like, the shitty story. Like, I disagree for really for two reasons. One, I think the, the technical mastery of some of these car chases is better than you're giving it credit for, which is, you know, whatever. But I also think the poor writing you're talking about isn't as poor 
as it really is. I thought this was, this isn't poor writing. This is standard action writing. It's not above average. It is all over that average. It is the Mendoza line of action writing. But if it has stuff that elevates the action or like if the action scenes are really good, if there's good martial arts choreography or in this case, really good car chases that are filmed really well. I'm all for it. That elevates it more so. You know, you can have standard action writing, but you have an incredible performance. And that would do the same thing. I think that's what these scenes do. Yeah, for for me, this... Well, I don't know. I'll talk about it in the end. I'm going to get back to this movie, though. Between the various car chases, we have moments of panic for the main characters because like a third of this movie is about trying to keep this officer this cop alive in the back of the ambulance and my favorite part about this was that yeah they're doing all these things but at the same time they're keeping them away from major medical care for as long as they are there's no way in hell that leg isn't being amputated yeah i guess right (laughs) yeah well like the the first major thing that happens is like that the cop goes into cardiac arrest yeah, and they gotta they gotta uh, do the clear the yeah they gotta put defibs thing. on him right and yeah. and Cam's getting Danny to do it and he's just like yelling at her the whole time Jake Gyllenhaal's like I don't know what this was in a fucking Atari I don't know what fucking button I'm like Atari dude fucking dated reference come on pal yeah well is- listen that that's the point that that's the character it's a dumb time to be making a joke but he is making a joke there come on yeah. You're you're being too negative here. I, I you're am. Complaining I about really, that. This movie just annoyed me a lot. I think, and I've just, and that's I'm not fair, in a good mood but today. Listen, I'm not either, but it's because of the second movie. But go on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. Anyways, so the cop lives, but then later on, he's losing a lot of blood, and Cam goes, "Will, I need your blood. We need to do a blood transfusion right now. You got to save him." Nobody checked to see if they're compatible. Nobody. Nobody like that's not how blood transfusions work, right? That's not how he's, he's a universal donor. He said he said he was, was a universal he? donor. Oh, yeah. good. Okay, I'll allow it then. See, this is okay, it's better writing it. than you're giving it credit for. Well, it's I don't know if it's better writing. writing, but I'll allow it. If we want to get into bad writing, I, I don't know how to feel about the scene overall, but the scene when they get doctors <laughs> to Skype, oh my god, to Skype her through the surgery was so dumb. That I kind of loved it. I that scene was so stupid. I loved. I I, I can't like. I <laughs> let's, can't, let's just I talk can't about that scene. Who thought, let's talk about that scene. I can't begin to imagine who thought. Oh, this is a really interesting thing. Like, first off, you have Cam calling this guy who she claims is her boyfriend throughout the movie, and then you realize that they dated like once, that they went on like yeah. one date six months ago or something. Right. And. He says to her on the phone, she goes, hey, this I'm having a problem. I need to do this surgery because somebody's going to die. I'm in the back of an ambulance. Yeah, this is when they discover a second bullet wound because they yeah. realize there's a bunch of blood coming from his torso. And so they have to get the bullet out. And then it's lodged against his, was it spleen? It's lodged yes. against his something. Yeah. And this surgeon who she's on the phone with is like being all sassy. And he says, you're not a surgeon. You're just, you're just a, a, a whatever, you know? And she's like, I know. Then they wind up 
like he, she kind of explains that she's the one in the ambulance on the news, and then they Skype in these other two doctors who are just playing golf. I, I think what made this scene so much better was that they were playing golf. It was like so stupid yeah. that they just like, I, and, and I picture if this were like a Zucker Brothers movie or something, there'd be like, uh, there'd be like a couple shots, like showing a group of golfers, like lined up behind them, like, come on, get on with it. Like waiting for them and yeah, they're exactly. not giving them permission or, to pass. Or they'd be like, or Cam would be like mistaking golf references for, for things that that they're no, telling they her don't, to do. Well, or yeah, you, you could know? you do that too. It's like, oh, go on, get get in the hole, and it's like, okay, which hole is that? And yeah. like, do something <laughs> stupid like that. Yeah, he's like, come on, swing the club, and she reaches back and pulls out like a nine iron. This one, yeah, you know, and smacks him like that, like that kind of bullshit. They, they, this would have been a slightly more serious version than what we're talking about, but they could have been like, Cam, come on, there's no mulligans here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they but they talk her through a surgery on Skype or, or on FaceTime. Yeah, and while they're going is, while they're going sixty miles Will, an hour down the freeway. Yeah, Will Will at this point is helping, and Danny is driving, and he refuses to slow down, even when at this point FBI guys on the scene when when they're tapping into their phones and they know that they're doing surgery and they're the the cops are like okay we'll give them room he's still driving 70 80 miles an hour on the freeway yeah. this scene was amazing it was so dumb it was and then and then it <laughs> but it was ends. exciting though too it's like it, it was dumb but exciting if it yeah, was just it, dumb i would probably feel a little bit different about it I, I do agree with you. It was dumb and exciting. I will say two of the dumbest parts in this scene is one, the cop actually wakes up like his his Yeah. And, <laughs> and the then he punches is worn him off. Out. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then Will is freaking out and he just punches him. He just clocks him right in the jaw and he knocks him out yeah. cold. And then he like puts his little like like anesthetic mask back on. But then also the spleen ruptures and there's like blood everywhere. Yeah. And they're trying to tie up an artery. So Cam goes, oh, take my hair clip, which is like a dollar store plastic hair clip, and yeah. that's supposed to hold an artery. Like that, that's supposed to be enough force to to to. While you're to, driving to, seventy. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Okay, that's fine. That's I, I thought that was fun. I, I like that. Okay, but now before we move on, I want to go back to this fucking dog thing where Jake Gyllenhaal's hanging out the back of the ambulance with Cam. He's like threatening to shoot her in the head, and then he starts shooting at this like lead cop car. And this is when the big stinky mastiff sits up in the back of the car, and he's like, yeah. he, he does like a Scooby Doo noise, like, huh? The cop and Zach's friend goes, "Oh my god, I've got the dog. This is crazy." He's like, "What the hell is that? There's a giant dog in my yeah, car. yeah, yeah." Then SIS guys like. Who the fuck stole my dog? Everybody fall back, fall also, back. Also, also, yeah. so so we've established already that the dog is stinky. Wouldn't yeah. this cop have noticed the smell? There's <laughs> Korean <know>. barbecue. <laughs> Korean barbecue scented <laughs> farts are occurring in this cop car. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, this dog then, probably breathes very loudly too. You oh, probably yeah, like this. At one point, but whatever. <gasps> yeah. But yeah, so so they so they pull away because a fucking dog is in a car. You know, it's just like as you as you described earlier, it was like the get out of jail free card for the moment, you know. It's a get out of jail free card for Jake Gyllenhaal that he didn't know existed, but it's also it's it's two thing it's two other things. It's an excuse to kind of calm down. It is one endless car chase, but there's little breaks in between. This is a sequence for a break. We are going to take a break from the major action, and it's also and this is where it really doesn't work. It is also another character thing for this 
SIS leader who ultimately just dies unceremoniously. There's like yeah. no point to his character at all. Well, then, then there's even this other character who's introduced around this time after the dog thing and before the the spleen explosion. But he works for the FBI. He's like the head of this bank robbery division in the FBI. And he knows all about Jake Gyllenhaal. Not only yeah. because he's robbed a bunch of ba- banks and he's like on he the FBI's radar. But yeah, but he went to college with him. And you learn this in like some of the most like hack writing dialogue when he walks up to SIS guy and he's like, you don't know the kind of man that you're dealing with. And SIS goes, I think I know just fine. Thank you very much. And then he goes, well, can we just cut the bullshit? Can we cut the shit where you say I know him well? And because guess what? I know him the best because we were friends. And then like the camera just cuts. Yeah, that's like a commercial break in like a, I know. a television <laughs> drama. It's like that's I a suspenseful know. moment. We're gonna <laughs> go to cut to commercial. I know, and we're supposed to be like on our couches going, "What? They were friends? God!" So and then we learned that they weren't actually friends, but they were like studying together in college. No, they were They're, probably friends for like a month. Where they were like roommates but, or sure. something, and they were taking criminology together or whatever the fuck it was, and. Jake Gyllenhaal just like disappeared one day after writing all the finals or something, and it, it, he turned up. Well, and he's Robin like, Banks. "Okay, Jake Gyllenhaal was here to study us, to study our patterns, our thought process, processes." That's I, yeah, that's fine, whatever. That. But that's well. Hang on. First of all, let's talk about the way they introduced this character because this was weird, and yeah, it wasn't really. I don't think it was done for laughs so much. It was just done for like character. It was just because he's at, like, a couple's counseling thing. He's gay. Uh, he's got a husband. Hold on, because this movie, a lot of the characters in this movie are the I'm snarky, sassy, and I know more than you character. The, the worst was the, was the lady in, in, the, uh, in the van. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was the absolute fucking worst. She was just too much. That is, that's a Michael Bay character. Y- yeah, we don't even need like, to talk yeah, about her. Just, she was a terrible fucking character but let's get back to the gay fbi guy well i i want to applaud this movie again remember the rock gay hairdresser right or gay (laughs) barber (laughs) this movie doesn't make a joke out of him being gay he just kind of is gay and the the joke is more his husband is complaining about how he constantly looks at his phone and then there's like a little thing about um the the couple's counselor is like what do people even rob banks anymore and then he gets called if if a counselor said that to me like if this was real life and i was working for the fbi and like a bank robbery division and a counselor said that to me i'd call her a dumb bitch i really would well and that's kind of what he does yeah (laughs) that's kind of what he does but i would take the opposite point of view because yeah no one robs banks anymore come on there's so much more money in atms and the banks, all the there's there's so many. I've worked at a bank. There's so many ways for banks to, you know, for for them to track the money. And it's it's like it's honestly not worth robbing a bank. And they they don't carry that much cash on them in comparison to again ATMs. Yeah. So I I thought that was kind of a fair question, but the movie treats her like a dumb bitch, which I guess is what <laughs> you want to do. But but yeah. So let's talk about Kiro O'Donnell, the FBI guy. I will always remember him. Well, I guess there's there's another film in which I've seen him where he plays a gay character, and that's Wedding Crashers. He's the the gay brother. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> I'll be in my room painting homo things. And the thing the thing I wanted to say about that. Uh, so I never saw this other show. Turns out he wasn't on it. But Jim, are you familiar with the show Gotham? 
Yeah, I've never seen. Wait, does he play? Listen, I, it doesn't matter if you've seen it or not. I, I does just he remember... play the penguin or whatever? No, he doesn't. But that's what I was going to say. In the advertisements, I would see for Gotham, the guy who plays the penguin has his exact like emo hairstyle that he had in Wedding Crashes, and he kind of looks like him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, for for years, I'm just like, oh, the the guy from Wedding Crashes plays the penguin. And I found out later on, no, it's not. But he, but it's still like, I can still pull up the pictures, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how that's not him. <laughs> but he's like 15 years older than that guy or something. But yeah, I, he's not the penguin. But 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 you can easily be mistaken. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, this guy, this uh, FBI guy, he immediately joins the chase. And their new plan is to kind of just get information from Jake Gyllenhaal because FBI guy knows him. And when he calls up Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal immediately just kind of, he's like, oh, you son of a bitch, haven't talked to you in a long time. You know why I'm here and I know why you're here, so uh, I'm robbing a bank. He's just kind of like, just chatting shit, really, you know? And he's like, you're an idiot and I don't like you and (laughs) school was stupid, I agree, but now now you're doing what you've always wanted to do and I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. Like, it's just this fucking, I just hate it. It's (laughs) not nearly that bad. It's nothing like that. <laughs> but okay, go on. <laughs> That's what it was. In my it's head. nothing like that. It, it's drinking... more like oh, Jake chilling. I was like, oh, you're you're finally head of bank robbery, just like you always wanted or something. That's like all that it is. It's it's nothing more than that. <laughs> you are just in a rotten mood. I am. I really don't like this movie. And uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry to Michael Bay and uh, ambulance. While all this is going on, Danny's got a new plan to finally get rid of the cops for good. And I actually I really like this part because the first part of his plan is to drive the wrong way on the highway and lose the cops which he does but it leads to this awesome like pov shot where all these cars are, like skidding out and spinning out and crashing into each other in, like right in front of the ambulance and this really cool shot i can't tell if it was actually shot with a drone or if it was cg but this shot where like two cop cars crash into each other and the camera oh that was up, the, like, i believe that was cg it might have also been shot with a drone but i believe that Cop, cop cars crashing was CG. Pretty much every time the cop cars were crashing in the in the car chase scenes, I really liked. It was it all looked really good. But the other part of this plan is that Jake Gyllenhaal's called up like the Mexican mob who is run by a guy, guy named Poppy. I thought it was Papa, but yeah, you know, you're probably right. I don't know. Yeah, these, these well, it depends if the peas on couches or not. <laughs> oh no, you're right. It is Poppy. It is Poppy. Yeah, and Jake Gyllenhaal goes. I we need two more ambulances. To kind of like, you know, to, to, to hide amongst, to, to fool the cops. And also he calls up one of his employees who's watching soccer. And he's like, I need oh, you to th- show Oh, this up. was, this, this pissed me off. This was so out of place where he's like, it's the most popular game in the world and it's called football. It's like, like no, no, we Wait. don't need this here. We don't need this now. Shut up and get on with the scene. Yeah, well, then I'm just sorry, like, Wale. Yeah, like, like Wale, even other stuff the, where he's the guy like, playing I, this, he's a, he's a rapper. Well, yeah, then, then even this scene where he asks like, his employee to come, he's like, bring the blue paint and, like, hurry up. And the guy's like, oh, and the, the flamingos, flamingos, all the flamingo stuff. What is going yeah, on? He's like, yeah, and then, this like, just, I was oh, as frustrated. Up. Exactly. I was as frustrated as Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, he's like, shut the fuck up about, about the flamingos. It has nothing to do with this. They're two completely separate things. Right, but and you're I'm frustrated like, with the movie. I, at least I was. I was frustrated with the movie at this point. I wasn't yeah. frustrated with the character. I'm just like, oh my god, why are we doing this? No, exactly. Yeah, I was like, what, I was like, what is happening here? And then I did like when they showed up to the like, and they they drove like through the L.A. River in this really cool shot where these two helicopters are like chasing the ambulance. That was all really neat. 
they do eventually escape and they park under this bridge with the other ambulances and stuff. And we see that one ambulance is full of C4. Which he he specifically told them not to bring weapons. Yeah, but he's then like, we he... just want a distraction. We don't want to start a war. But then they bring C four, which like, I think okay, he kind of told them they were doing. He's like, we're going to bring some surprises. But then they also have a car that I guess is remote controlled and has like a Walter White end of Breaking Bad helicopter gun attached that just like shoots yeah. or it's like yeah, in, yeah. Um, it's got like a mini gun. saw the final chapter it's just like what is this who rigged this uh, i <laughs> what know is, what's going on well then and as as they're kind of like showcasing this stuff we have the employee character he starts spray painting the ambulance and first off it's like lime green and jake gyllenhaal's like why is it green i said blue he was well, the only paint i had and then he just starts spraying paint all over the windshield and like windows and you're yeah, like which is whatever but a couple things about the paint here one the paint doesn't end up being important yeah it doesn't really. matter the, at all. the important part is that the other ambulances are there because they eventually pull over while a and good luck getting out of a harsh prison sentence while i just saying uh oh I, I i don't know what's going on i just got in the yeah. i was sick and i got in the ambulance like yeah that's gonna fucking work uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's one hell of a defense but also like i said because an ambulance is i mean as the thing that makes it an ambulance is all the markings on it and all the lights and stuff if you just like painted blue you could mistake it I suppose for like an armored truck or something like you see blue trucks. You certainly don't see lime green trucks like yeah, that. Maybe. So I guess that's the idea, but you still have those lights on top of it. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I, like, yeah, it was never explained. I feel like but... even if it were blue paint, it wouldn't have worked is my point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, exactly. I agree. But it does work briefly because the one ambulance, because all three ambulances split off. Well, it, it works because of the other ambulances. It, it doesn't exactly, work because exactly. of the no, paint. No. That's my point, yeah. It, it only works briefly because of the other two ambulances. So one of them is immediately pulled over, and that rapper dude gets out, and he's explaining to the cops that he doesn't know why he has an ambulance. And then the other ambulance is full of C4 and just driven into the, yeah. like, this cop barricade where it explodes, causing all kinds of havoc. And while that's mm-hmm. going on, these Mexican gangsters drive this lowrider car with a minigun in the front of it, and it just starts shooting up all the cops. Correction. Yeah. Correction. No one drives it. It drives itself. There's right. a mannequin in the driver's seat. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. They. They. they I guess remote it's remote controlled. It. We never establish who has the remote, though. I don't think. Well, well no, but he there's does, two guys on. standing on the bridge. Okay, I see. But also, there was something when Roberto, the gangster who was driving the ambulance and eventually jumped out, but not. Oh yeah, there was like a there was like a, a remote on the ground or something. Yeah, he dropped something. And there was like a couple shots of it, like, ooh, this is important. And then, yeah, and then it's never, never brought up again. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what so was then, the point of that? So it, so this, this scene's amazing, too, because Roberto's being chased by black friend cop. And while he's being chased... A black friend cop who we've established has no sense of smell because he didn't notice the... Yeah, yeah, yeah the stinky the dog. dog. Exactly. And might be deaf, too, because he didn't hear the dog breathing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then the minigun car is being driven into cops and just shooting everybody. SIS guy gets killed here. 
very unceremoniously. Like yeah, you don't even yeah. see him get shot. I don't think. I, I think I think you do, but it but it's not like a heroic death or anything. It's just a death. It's not really like it just kind of happens, and then it's like, okay, why do we do all this stuff with the dog? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I yeah. Don't know. yeah, exactly. And then and then while all that's happening, black black friend special needs cop tackles Roberto to the ground. Who's got a gun? He's trying to shoot black special needs cop and Poppy. Roberto's dad and head of the Mexican gang is watching apparently all of this on the news and yeah. in the struggle in the struggle the gun goes off and blows Roberto's brains out and Poppy and like one of his henchmen are well this didn't happen TV live like, on TV Whoa. they got they got They're a like, shot was that? Of, of the <laughs> They, they got a shot of the guy on the ground dead. It didn't happen live on TV. But this felt like something out of Nightcrawler, the other Jake Gyllenhaal movie, because if it bleeds, it leads. That's the big thing with Nightcrawler. <laughs> Yeah. Except there's, there's like a satirical all element over to the that. concrete <laughs> yeah. in this shot. And they're like and he's like, Oh my god, my son. And the whole thing the whole reason Poppy was helping Jake Gyllenhaal do this is because he was gonna get eight of the sixteen million dollars that Jake Gyllenhaal had on him. Whereas yeah. everybody else died and had the money taken back, essentially. He only had sixteen million. And he was gonna get eight for helping him. But now he's kinda upset that his son's dead, as anyone would be. Well, it depends how much of an asshole the son is, really. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Joe Kennedy would have been that pissed if, uh, if 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 Teddy was shot while he was president, but, you know, John, <laughs> eh, you know. Well, Jake and Will and, uh, what's her name, Cam and Zach the cop, they all make it to Poppy's, like, safe house, his, his hideout. And yeah. they come out, and at this point, they somehow already know that Poppy's son has been killed. And they come out and they're like, "I'm sorry for your loss. Here's eight million. No, 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 no. They they don't they don't know that. Uh, they well, find that out. Poppy tells them. Uh, maybe it's just the acting, but it seems like they, they kind of, they're like they expect like you know what I mean. Like Poppy's like, you know, my son's dead, and they're like, "Oops, sorry. Well, here's eight million. And then he's like, "Oh, is that enough to bring back like a dead son or something?" And uh, Will goes, "Well, that's more than that's a hell of a lot more than most people get." And it's like, oh, is that a is that a jab at the American uh, payment plan for if your kid dies in Afghanistan or some kind of far flung war? Anyways, they're all hanging out at Poppy's place. Cam and Zach are kind of moving around in the back of the ambulance, opening and closing the door, looking around. Well, Zach reveals that there was a pistol hidden underneath his torso that no one noticed, no one knew about. Somehow, except yeah. For him, but he's mostly been unconscious. Yeah, and. They're just kind of waiting in the ambulance for this transaction to be done so that our two main characters can come back and leave. But Poppy's like, look, you've brought these two people into my hideout. You're leaving them here. We're going to kill them. Yeah, because they don't like cops. They're going to kill. They they don't care about Cam, I guess, but they just want to kill Zach. Well, then they also said Cam's staying, too, because she's opened the door. She's seen everything. He's like, they're both staying. Oh, okay. And Will's like, they're not fucking staying. And Will's making like a hard point about this. And Jake Gyllenhaal, it looks like, he seemingly is siding with Poppy on this. And he's kind of calling Will like like a little bitch. He's like, you know, he goes, I thought we were brothers. I thought we were both taking the same path Well, and then life. Poppy says something. He refers to him as his fake brother. Yeah, which is, <laughs> yeah. Which, it, yeah. which we don't know it at the time, but that's presumably what gets Jake Gyllenhaal to really side with Will. Probably, yeah. maybe. Maybe yeah. he was with them all along and he, this is how he's playing it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah, it, it, kind of a mistake to do the fake brother thing. The, yeah. The pretty, pretty, pretty bold thing to, to say. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it is. 
But uh, then, then Jake Gyllenhaal is like really kind of like laying into Will, and you're like, oh my god, is he going to shoot him? It is worth noting, though. I don't know if they were always in the script supposed to be adoptive brothers, but apparently Yahya Abdul Mateen II was not the first choice for the role. He only. I don't know if the other guy dropped out, but eventually, because uh, Aquaman 2 was uh, was delayed, possibly because of the Amber Heard situation, I'm not really sure. There could have been... I mean, there's DC. It's, there's 45 different reasons why, the, why, that, why that production might have been a shit show. But yeah, the, the, I don't remember the name of the original actor. I'm not sure if it was someone I was familiar with, but it was going to be a white dude. So I don't... Huh. I, I, I'd be curious if it was if they were all along supposed to be adopted. Yeah, that that is interesting. What's even more interesting is this is actually one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Actually, I guess I should say the scene I, I like the most, where it looks like Jake Gyllenhaal's siding with Poppy, and then he says some, something along the lines of, like he's talking directly to Will, and he says, I thought we were just going to follow each other left. We're going, yeah. We were going left. And he, then you realize he's saying, like, go left? And he just keeps kind of repeating it. We were going left. We're going to go left. We're going left. And then they both just pick up their fucking like semi-automatic weapons and then just start spinning around the room and killing everybody, including Poppy. And then, actually, I guess that they don't kill him right there. Jake Gyllenhaal turns Poppy sitting in his chair and he says, and he shoots him twice and he's like, that's for calling him my fake brother or something. So they hop back in the ambulance. Or no, they go to get back in the ambulance, and there's gunfire and stuff going off. And then as Will goes to open the back ambulance door for some reason, Cam just shoots him, like in the chest. And she's like, oh my god. And then she pretends that she didn't shoot him, and she doesn't know who shot him. Well, yeah, and in, in, in what you... Because since you've done such a shit job of explaining this movie, we should say that... Because <laughs> you're in such a fucking rotten mood, and you're just, you just want to skip to the end. But it, it's clear to Cam... It's clear to yeah. Cam that Will is, I think the FBI guy says when he when she's on the phone, says that he's the weak link, you need to work him. But she could see that all along, that he's, between the two of them, Danny is the more evil one and Cam has a heart because he's the one who offers to give his blood, he's the one who keeps insisting, no, we don't kill the cop we're not going to just drop them off or yeah and she knows he's got a sick wife at this point and a baby at home and he's spoken to them yeah that comes up well yeah because when she's in the front he gets a facetime video from uh his his wife and he's uh doing that and it's like an emotional scene because at that point he's probably thinking i'll never see her again i'll never see my kid again again standard action writing it's i don't think it's below average even well anyways so she shoots him and then pretends that she doesn't know who shot him Almost immediately afterwards, as as one would be, I guess, from getting shot in the chest, Will isn't doing that well. And he's kind of writhing around in the back of the ambulance. It looks like that's what he's doing, but what he's actually doing is taking handfuls of cash and putting it in Cam's bag for her. For her to give to his wife. Yes, yeah. And at this point, Danny's Which, like... And this, this kind of frustrated me a little bit because I understand this is what you do in this movie, but... There's no way in hell that money's actually getting to her. No, <laughs> it's no, like no, that no. money is. No. Yeah, no, that that money's going nowhere. You know that. You have to know that. Yeah, or in, like in real life, if you spend it, the FBI, I'm sure, is tracking the the serial number on the bills. You know what I mean? Exactly. Again, this is why you don't rob banks. It's like not worth it. <laughs> this is why no one robs banks. Yeah, but, okay, so at this point in the movie, this is the only time Danny has thought to go to a hospital now, because his brother is dying. Then, seemingly, he dies. 
And Danny's really upset. Sorry, Jake Gyllenhaal's super upset. He's like, oh my god. <laughs> he goes, oh, there's a gun here. Whose gun is this? Where did this come from? Did you shoot him? And he's like yelling at this cop. This poor cop. He's like, did you shoot him? I knew you fucking shot him. I know you fucking shot him. And as he's yelling at this cop, Cam's like, no, no, it was me. I shot him. I shot him. And then he just turns around and starts like choking her. And he's threatening to blow her brains out. And then they get surrounded by all the, by like the, the, the FBI guy and all the cops. Because they're parked out in front of a fucking hospital. And... Jake Gyllenhaal's like, my brother's dead. This has all been a shit show. I'm gonna fucking blow this fucking woman's brains out. He opens the door, and just as it looks like he's about to kill her, he gets fucking shot in the back. And it goes right through his chest by Will. Will sits up and shoots him. Jake Gyllenhaal uh, falls face first onto the concrete, and everybody rushes over, and they cuff him. And then they also cuff Will. And slightly before this... Well, actually, I guess not even really slightly before this, but kind of like in like the last 20 minutes leading up to this, Cam had been telling the FBI guy, you know, like how much of a good guy Will is and how, you know, he has been trying to save people's lives. And then she tells the cops, she's like, be careful with him. He's good. He's, you know, he saved us. He saved us. And then my favorite part was for some reason, the police brought Will's wife to his cuffing, which was really neat. Yeah. Why did, why was she there? <laughs> I don't know. She just showed up in the back of a car. I, I don't car. remember. Did, did, did the, did the cops bring her? I don't remember yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Or did yeah she hopped she, out of the yeah. back of a cop car. That's interesting. And she's screaming from the sidelines. She's like, oh, that's my husband. Don't hurt him. Well, they were were probably going to question her when they figured out who the other guy was. But then that still doesn't explain why they brought her to to an active crime scene. (laughs) 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 To literally an active crime scene. There are crimes currently happening. Yeah. And then then Cam gets up and she's like, she goes up to FBI guy. She goes, he saved our lives. And then she goes over to Will's wife, Amy, and she's like, your husband's actually a really good man. And she's like, is he going to be okay? She's like, I don't know, but he saved our lives. And then she goes like under this barrier. And as his, as Amy's looking away, she stashes all the money. Like she gives his wife all the money. She puts it in the, in the baby's um, carrier. Then like the last couple of minutes of the movie, we get the FBI questioning Zach, the cop. And for some reason, it's like an extremely long shot where he's like who shot you who kidnapped you and we kind of see the cop pointing and then he he scroll he like he swipes to a picture much like tinder he swipes to a picture of will and he goes this guy saved my life yeah (laughs) and then the fbi which i feel like i feel like none of this would matter unless it was clear that will was also a hostage and at no point yeah. Was did anyone say that? Like, like he is very much in on the bank robbery. There is a clause in in American law. I don't remember what the name of it is, but it's basically if someone dies while you are committing a felony, or as a result of you committing a felony. Like, let's say you just want to commit some arson. You just want to burn down <laughs> a building. You you don't know anyone's in there. But the person dies, it's not technically, you know, by the letter of the law, it wouldn't be first degree murder because that requires, you know, I want to kill this person. But in U.S. law, that still counts as first degree murder. Thus, there is no way in hell Will is getting away with I, I this, is, this is just, again, this is kind of dumb, but whatever, you know, it's the... Yeah, well, uh, then, like, we don't actually know if he gets away without any charges, really, because... That's 
Psychiatry, yeah. Because it turns out, like, he is laying in his hospital bed. He looks like he's going to make a recovery. There's a cop sitting in the hospital room with him. His wife is shown hiding the money in the in the baby's carrier. And then we well, also and see the that- important thing the the important thing is Cam goes and finds that kid who was impaled by a wrought iron fence and makes sure the kid's okay. That's yeah, and, the important thing. And, and, then, and then my favorite fucking part. So this is like the last 10 seconds of the movie because the movie actually ends on like a city on like a skyline shot of like L.A. But my favorite part is after Cam leaves the girl, she gets like this hero shot of her like kind of slow-mo walking out of like this parking garage with like her her jacket thrown over her shoulder. And I'm like, what the like, what the fuck are you smiling about? You know what I mean? I like what? Also, why do we need this hero shot? You could have just left her in the hospital. And she didn't really do anything. Like she did save this cop's life. Right, but like, I just she don't also, know. She Why also is that saved. There? She also saved Will's life because they were just letting Will lie on the concrete, and she's the oh, one yeah. who, and she was like, who yeah, basically forced him, him to go, forced him into the hospital, and is like, yeah, his name is yeah, Will, I, and this is what it was just like about. a weird. But it was just like a weird hero shot. I, listen, it's, who cares? Oh, and I guess I guess we should point out that also Jake Gyllenhaal died. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. That's Amber Lamps from 2022. It, it was a it was a COVID boredom project of Michael Bay's, and uh, Patrick, you liked this movie a lot more than I did. So tell me how you liked it. Well, I liked it up to a certain point. I think the last half hour or so, you really felt the length. It, it, it the film didn't have any of that energy that it had earlier. From like, let's say bank robbery. I, I actually didn't love the bank. Well. We don't really see the bank robbery, but I mean, like, when that shootout first happens. I didn't love that scene, but from that scene up through when they get the other ambulances, I thought the film had this, like, awesome energy, and part of it's the camera moving around with the drones. Mm -hmm. Part of it's just, like, I don't know, Michael Bay knows how to stage action sequences, and the, the cars racing around, crashing, blowing up, like, that stuff's all great. The surgery while on the freeway was one of the dumbest scenes I've ever seen, and I loved it. <laughs> and then, but then, kind of after that, I'm just like, the the film kind of ran out of things to do, and and it became apparent because early on, you know, the, the the plan to get the multiple ambulances that is a plan early in the film, and yeah. and it, they just don't get around to it until like another hour, but. From then on, it, it became apparent, like, oh, they actually, Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't have a plan. And that's fine if you want to do that. You know, his plan is essentially, like, when they get to the hospital, he's not getting out of there alive. This is a Butch Cassidy situation. This is a Bonnie and Clyde situation. This is a Thelma and Louise situation. This is a Danny mm-hmm. and Will situation, where there's, mm-hmm. like, no way they're not getting obliterated with bullets or at least arrested. <laughs> But (laughs) for that to be two hours and ten minutes in, I think it's just, like, too much. Like, if if that was, I don't know. The movie felt its length in the last half hour or so, even though the scene where Danny and Will unite to shoot up the Mexican gang is is pretty well done and exciting. Like, that is, for the most part, when, when the movie lost my interest. However, so, I, I mean, obviously I've talked about, I love the drone shots. I think Michael Bay makes great use of that. This is, like I said, the best use of drones in film that I've seen. I'm not saying it's the best there is, but it's the best that I've seen. This is this is utilizing technology in a way that puts you into the action. And I don't mean, like, 
this is what James Cameron's trying to do right with Avatar. This is the 3D crap and and you know that stuff doesn't that stuff's not for me for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. This stuff worked for me that uh what Michael Bay was doing. And I thought the action writing, the standard action writing, I thought it was like passable. I thought Will his character clear motivation a little torn between what he's trying to do and saving people and his devotion to his brother that stuff's all fine i thought where the writing was really kind of weak was cam learning to check into uh check in on that little girl and make sure she's okay but that's like the end of the movie so who cares but yeah i i liked the movie i thought it was a lot of fun for most of it jim i know you don't like it but please explain why before I, I, I did, I just want to agree with you about the drone shot stuff. I think a lot of it was great. The only drone shots that I wasn't a big fan of were the, I don't even know how you would describe them, like the, I think the I structure shots of, of, of the yeah, drones. Yeah, I like, I like the action drone shots, the way drones are used in action scenes. I don't like when it's just like, oh, let's have a shot start from above a skyscraper and then go down to the, like, they did yeah. that, like, Three or four times, it seemed like. Yeah, there, there was one like, where they, okay, I don't get when they were at the bank, the drone kind of like took off and zoomed around the bank as it kind of shot off into the air. And I was like, why? And it just made me feel nauseous. I was like, what's, why? Why are you doing this? But all the action drone stuff I thought was really neat. Car chase stuff was really interesting. Also, can I say a couple a couple more things? Yeah. So, again, I'm going off of Michael Bay's reputation and the Michael Bay films that I've seen, which is not many. But... I want to applaud him for not doing two things that, to my knowledge, he does all the time. One, gay character, we're not making fun of him, he just happens to be gay. Mm-hmm. Good on you. I mean, it's like the bare minimum, right? <laughs> but And I don't know if that's Michael Bay realizing, you know, it's 2022, people don't like this stuff. Or if it's just, I mean, Michael Bay doesn't write this, didn't write this movie. I don't know if he wrote The Rock, he might have. And then the other thing is... Isaac Gonzalez, one of the most gorgeous women who is in Hollywood, is not sexualized in any way. She just, like, happens to be gorgeous, and she's in an ambulance with blood all over her shirt. Like, the, yeah. like I'm just thinking of, like, the Megan Fox, the famous Megan Fox shot over the hood yeah. of the car, and, <laughs> yeah. and how he typically shoots women. And again, I don't know if this is Michael Bay changing with the times, or if it's just, like, I don't know, we just don't have time to sexualize her. But, like, good mm-hmm. on you, Michael Bay. You met the bare minimum of human decency, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's actually funny that you say that because in this movie, they did have the time to sexualize her. It's two hours and 16 minutes, but the movie could have been maybe like an hour. Well, well they had they had the run time. They didn't. But the, the there's so much stuff going on with the action. They didn't have the. They, yes, yes. They yeah. couldn't fit it. They couldn't. They didn't get a chance to storyboard. The no, scene exactly. where she takes off her, her bloody shirt and switches into a non-bloody shirt so we can see her bra and stuff. They didn't do that. Yeah. My my biggest... When, when it comes to the writing about, the, like, in this movie, it seems like all of, like, the most tropey action writing from, like, the late 80s and 90s was taken and just transplanted into this movie. You say that 
I, I don't know. I just, as you say that, like, it's a bad thing. And I think, like... No, but, like, for me, like, I was just, like, so annoyed. Okay, oh, you know, here's a slight here's a slight tangent here. And you actually made me watch three seasons of Peaky Blinders. And you don't know this. I haven't brought this up to what? you yet. We were recording a podcast on something. I wasn't even sure it was pronounced Blinders. I thought yeah, it yeah, might be blinders. blinders for some reason. You were talking about Peaky Blinders, and I was like, oh, you know what? I saw that on Netflix. And, like, as you were talking about it, I was like, oh, that was on Netflix. I'm going to watch it. I got, like, three seasons in, and that's because—I think there's only, like, four seasons. But I mostly had it on in the background while I was doing things. But it, it had, like, a style of writing that pisses me off so much, and that's what this movie kind of had a lot of. And it's that— Really? So one of, one of the most—you're complaining about this film bearing resemblance to one of the most acclaimed— television shows of the 21st century just for the record yeah absolutely and it's because it's got okay. this style of writing that i hate where you have like a character who's meant to be like really good at what they do but they just write the person yeah. to come across as like an asshole an all-knowing asshole you know like when when fbi guy meets sis guy he's like yeah can we just cut the crap where you say oh i know how to do my job and that was one 30 second long scene and I agree it was stupid but who but cares? but there was like other stuff involved where like Jake Gyllenhaal said throwaway lines here and you know fucking whatever but like Peaky Blinders had that same problem for me where like I don't know I uh, if you're interested we can get into that some other time off off mic but well I've never seen the yeah. show so I don't, I don't I don't know what you're talking about but maybe I'll have my own hour long complaint session about Peaky Blinders well that'll get clicks the writing I found was too hacky, you know, I couldn't, I just couldn't focus on what was happening because the writing was pretty, in my opinion, pretty bad. I don't know how to make it better. I'm not a fucking writer. Or so maybe I'm just talking out my ass. I don't know, but it just annoyed me. The plot was very light and it almost- Well, sure, it's a high concept movie. I mean, I mean, there's not a lot of plot in Die Hard either. It's like, I'm not saying this movie's Die Hard, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's but, a high but, concept movie. It's like, how can we have an action movie in this setting- but reverse but, engineering. But this was, we got a but, bank robbery and hostage situation. It's like speed. But this was how this turned of. out. It was bank robbery to accidental hostage situation to driving fast medical emergency. Driving fast medical emergency. Driving fast medical emergency. End. You know, and it was just like, how many times can this fucking poor cop who's been shot in the leg have a terrible, life-threatening medical well, emergency? Yeah. I, I, that they they, they stretched to, that like, out, like 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 he hasn't died yet, and and again, there's no way they're saving his leg, but whatever. No, and it, <laughs> and it, it just, oh, it he's lost several so pounds of blood at this point. Yeah, he has. He really has. And then, like, when main characters are doing kind of dumb things, you know, like Jake Gyllenhaal letting the cop into the bank for no reason. When, or like a cop essentially forcing his way into a bank to hit on a teller? Like, what normal person does that? You know what I mean? Like, if I knocked on the door of, of my bank trying to hit on a, uh, on a teller and they're like, hey, we're closed for 20 minutes, I'd be like, yeah, okay, no worries, I'll wait, thanks. You know, or yeah, but he's like, a cop, okay, he feels tomorrow. entitled. Listen, these you, you forget the part where all cops are assholes. You forget <laughs> that part. That, that's a key component, at least of that of that plot point is it though is it or is that something you're just i think it is i don't don't think it i don't think it comes up later in the film but i I think he thinks like oh listen no i'm a cop you gotta let me in i think i think that's the subtext okay it's it's the only moment of the film that has subtext but that would be that would be well i don't know that's i i didn't pick up on that subtext i just thought i was like this is a really awkward and clunky way to get the cop into the bank and it was i i don't disagree well, then, then the stuff like the SIS guy and, like, 
how his comic relief woman character that's there, she was yeah, awful. Yeah, she was, she was bad. All the dialogue between them was terrible. The stuff all involving his dog was stupid. Sure. The the joke about big dog getting out of a small car. Why? Like was that a jo- I didn't even pick up on that was the end i thought the joke was just that it's a giant dog <laughs> i didn't think the size of the car mattered yeah it was like instance. this tiny little like foreign car that he was driving well yeah it was it's the colombo thing he's driving a piece of shit car and he's got a <laughs> big old ugly dog i i again i didn't think but whatever that's the the, the dog himself I not did necessary like the to the plot. <laughs> we could have like got dog, rid of the dog. Not necessary to the plot. And then again, and then like when when all the cops had to pull back because the dog's in the back of the car, I'm like, are like is this what's actually happening in this movie? Like I can't. So let's think of it from like a writing perspective. What are, what what are the other instances in which the cops had to pull back and we had to stop a fast paced action scene? There was when they were doing surgery. There was... Which is also stupid. There's also the fact that there's an injured cop in the back of the ambulance, so they don't want to end the chase in the first 10 minutes and ram the ambulance. There right, was, which, there was, it, which you could say carries throughout the entire film, but I yeah, don't know th- there how was, much of that is really true. There was the fact that ambulance outmaneuvered all cop cars and caused them all to crash into each other. So they had to well, and there's the, the big one though is they they assume the surgery didn't go well. They assume the cop died because I think the phone ran out oh of batteries. So they couldn't hear the rest of the call. I totally. Yeah. So then they try to snipe the driver, and then Cam and stands then, up and she's like, "Oh yeah, my god, there's them. there's snipers. Get down!" I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing? Let them kill them." And then you know what? Even if there's a fucking whoa, concrete whoa, whoa, barrier, hey, hang on. No, no. You think if. You- you think what? if you're in a vehicle that's going 75 miles an hour on an on-ramp and someone shoots the driver, you think you're going to survive that? Maybe. Who knows? No. <laughs> I think but, you could pretty but confidently at this point, say, no, at you're this not point, going to. This chase has been going on for, you know, like X amount of hours. Dozens of people are maimed or seriously injured or dead. And it's like, oh, well, there's this one fucking cop in the back of this car who has a crush on some fucking teller named Kim. And... His life is the most fucking important thing on the planet right now. You know, it's just, it's so fucking stupid. It's just, they pulled it's, out see, every I, excuse I in the book. It's, at that point, it's self-preservation. She doesn't but, but, care But they pulled the out every much. excuse in the book, Patrick, to make this movie as long as possible and to make this, like, ambulance chase as long as possible. And then, like, all the shit about the Mexican gang filling a, an ambulance with C4 and driving it. Why? What are they doing that? Well, like, Why? Why? Like, why did that happen? You know, I, like, I can't really answer that question. Um, why were the Mexican gangs? But I also don't creating care. a war with the cops by shooting a minigun into fifty cops and their and their cop cars. You know, it, like so much in this movie didn't make sense. And like, if half of the stuff that didn't make sense made sense, I might have enjoyed this movie a little bit more. But I was sitting down. Wh- for two hours and 16 minutes watching this, being like, what am I watching? What is happening? What is the okay. point of all of this? Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> everything in this now. movie everything in this movie makes sense. Because there's not depth to anything. Varying what, degrees what of sense. What doesn't make sense? Well, yeah, well, and that's fine. I mean, like, what's what's the... The Mexicans start a gang war. I, what, or not a gang war, but a war with cops. And I, it's because they have a chance... They have all these cops in, in, in this place, and they're going to just shoot them all up. Like, because I guess they hate cops because that's, you know, later on, they want to kill the one already dying cop. 
they hate cops, so we have 30 cops gathered. Hey, we can get rid of them all here, you know? Like, I, I, it's stupid, but it makes sense. And also, a, um, a nitpick that I'm surprised you haven't brought up yet. There are several lines of dialogue. Almost entire scenes are dedicated to rush hour is approaching. We need to put oh, a stop yeah. to this before rush hour. And then rush hour, I guess, happens and nothing really changes. No, exactly. And I, I, the, the implication is that obviously we have millions of people on the road, but it really, I mean, at least the way they shoot it, it doesn't really feel like any different than how it was earlier. There's just things that they don't go back to, right? Or there, or there are just things that they don't really explain. They're, you're just kind of shown these things or told these things, and then nothing comes back or nothing's explained. Much like the remote-controlled Mexican car. Who's controlling it? From where? Why are they doing this? Do they have other cars with miniguns? Like, how come they brought a minigun in C4 after Danny said, No, don't bring that shit. Because you know? they don't work for him. They're they're doing this for the money, but they're going to do other shit, too. They don't work for him. Poppy I, doesn't I, control I, him, or, or, I, or he doesn't so. control Poppy. I guess so. For a movie that's two hours and 16 minutes, and again, I can't stop harping on about this because, like, it could have been so much shorter. But for a movie that's that that's this long, they could have maybe cut down on so much of the other, like, fluff and faff and explained things a little bit better. You know, or or add what more needed of a to be explained to more? I I don't know. It's just a high concept movie about an ambulance chase. I don't think anything needed to be explained any more than it was. I think this is perfectly standard. This is like whatever. I was just floored by by this movie, and uh, I don't know. I just really didn't like it. I'm just really upset right now, to be honest. All your bullshit is making me like this movie more, honestly. I'm like, how could you have a problem with this movie? It's a dumb action movie that's perfectly exciting. It was just, like, too dumb for me. And I was just like, I don't know. You like spookies. Yeah, but that's, like, that's stupid funny. You know, like, because it's, like, such a fucking... There's nothing funny about spookies. But it's, like, such a joke. But exactly, but it's such a joke. Like I like Neil Breen movies because they're so fucking ridiculous. But I agree, Neil Breen movies are funny. I don't think. But this is like an actual movie made by like an actual big name director starring like Jake Gyllenhaal, and I'm like, what? Yeah, there's real actors in this. To me, this movie just felt like one of those like Bruce Willis movies, you know, that he was making like last year, two years ago. Like the really the only thing that set it apart was like the drone shots and the amount of money that went into like explosions and car chase stuff. Like that was the only thing that set those apart from this. The drone shots are the real new thing. And then also like the heist angle. You know you know what this reminded me of? This felt like a Fast and Furious movie. It's dumb, it's about family. You know the Fast and Furious movies they used to be movies about drag racing. And now they're mm-hmm. just heist movies and they, they drive a car here and there. That's kind of, and this is like, it's a heist movie. And then there's also a lot of driving. And, and the the over-the-top action, not as over-the-top as a Fast and Furious movie. This doesn't go into full science fiction mode or fantasy, you know. It, yeah. It, I don't want to really say this movie's that grounded, but at least I I felt like the action was believable enough. It, it wasn't too that. dumb. And, and and you know the, the the real dumb stuff comes with like oh the the guy the cop is still alive or whatever but no I I don't know I thought this was just a, a rip roaring good time well, I'm, it, this I'm is glad a, you sh- think this so. is a shut this is a shut your brain off and enjoy movie and I think it's very good at doing what it did okay well let's move on to your movie 
Born Reckless. I'm not going to go plot point by plot point here, just for one, because there aren't that many plot points. It's like, uh, <laughs> this is a, you're, you're complaining about not much plot in Ambulance. Born Reckless is like. Well, this uh, was just boring, uh, you know. Yeah, boring Reckless. <laughs> also, so uh, one thing, one thing I want to clear up. So Ambulance is a remake of a foreign film. Born Reckless bears the same title as a film from the 1930s, but it, from what I can tell, is not a remake. So. Oh, okay, yeah. But it's directed by Howard W. Koch, who is, um, I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned the, uh, the uh, Zucker Brothers movies earlier. He went on to produce some of those, but his real strength, I guess, was like kind of B-movies with Mamie Van Doren. He made a number of other films with Mamie Van Doren, including Untamed Youth, which is probably her best-known movie. And I'm going to say that this... I was disappointed by this movie I for, for a number of reasons. I felt like the film lied to me. I felt cheated. Well, especially with the name. <laughs> well, yeah, I, the, the, the title, I'm expecting something like Untamed Youth, like a teen exploitation kind of movie or like, like a, the wild one with Marlon Brando. I'm expecting something like that, and it's really nothing like that at all. I'm not even sure if maybe Van Doren is the one who was born reckless. I think you could argue her boyfriend is far more reckless than her. Yeah. But the other way in which I felt cheated, so this is this is a me thing. I see Mamie Van Doren with a cowboy hat on the poster, and I'm like, okay, Western with Mamie Van Doren. No, it's a fucking contemporary Western. I don't like contemporary Westerns. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't. The exception of Big Jake, the John Wayne film that takes place in like the maybe the 1910s or so, it's like early cars. If you're going to, to me, if you're going to make a Western, make a Western. I don't want to see anyone in a in a car. Yeah. I don't want to see anyone with a with. I don't want to hear an announcer over a PA system in a western. To me, it's just like <laughs> I don't know. If you're going to adopt this imagery, go all the way. And and this is I'm speaking as a western fan. Western is my favorite genre of film, and I was just disappointed because I thought this was going to be that. I thought this was going to be a, a John Wayne film starring maybe Van Doren, and it's not. Well, you know what? It, it actually reminded me of a lot. And I, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this. It reminded me a lot of like of those Bing Crosby movies. You know, something like Holiday Inn Going or White way. Christmas. Okay, or... see, I, I haven't. I've seen White Christmas. I haven't really seen. Oh well, it... you know what? This is a bit like White Christmas because it's boring as fuck. Sure. <laughs> well, and more <laughs> more so in the sense it reminded me of it. <laughs> more so in the sense that. It was like a like a love story that was wrapped up in like a specific theme, and you occasionally had songs smattered like scattered yeah. throughout. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and, the thing. This wasn't a full musical. It, it could have been. I because we easily, opened with yeah. like two songs right away, and it's like, oh, it's a musical. I didn't know that. And then it's just don't hear another song for forty five minutes or whatever. Yeah, and you know, and the music like. The musical numbers aren't that bad, and also we've also got to, oh shucks, what's his name? Tex Williams. Tex Williams is in the movie. He had a big hit in like 1947. He was like on like he was number Jesus. one on the charts for a long time, but like this is like a decade after he had that number one. So I don't know what he was doing in this movie. I'll tell you what this movie reminded me of. This is an Elvis Presley movie. Oh, basically, yeah, right specifically this is viva las vegas told from the perspective of the Anne margaret character however 
It does not have the fun chemistry of Elvis and Anna Margaret with maybe Van Doren and Jeff Richards, who is also known as Dick Taylor and Richard Taylor, uh, is a former minor league baseball player who had a career-ending injury and then took up acting, I guess. And I'm not sure he made the right decision. But (laughs) Mamie Van Doren is a musical performer. She's like on the rodeo circuit, circuit. And she takes an interest in this other guy who, I guess, at first kind of protects her from like an aggressive man. And this guy happens to engage in rodeo stuff, like Mm -hmm. dangerous rodeo stuff. And then there's a little bit of like, oh you know, this is dangerous. Why is he doing this? That's, that's, that's Viva Las Vegas. That's Elvis drives yeah. race cars and Margaret yeah. wants him to not drive race cars. Except there's also like a slap together love triangle here. And then, and then there was a love triangle in Viva Las Vegas also, but it wasn't slapped together. It was like a big part of this movie. But here, Kelly Cobb, Jeff Richards, is like also kind of interested in the character of Liz, played by Carol Omart, which was kind of fun to see her because... The only thing I've seen her in is House on Haunted Hill, and she looks kind of different because she's blonde in that and with long hair. Here she's brunette, short hair. But that was, like, such a small part of the movie. So, like, at one point, Mamie Van Dorn gets jealous. And at another point, she's even, like, as he's leaving, she's, like, imagining him in the car making out with her. Mm -hmm. And then that doesn't really factor into anything. I don't know. It's what, what this movie... I don't, I don't think the movie really excels at anything. What this movie does that I'll give it some credit for is maybe Van Doren has a decent voice. She's not a bad singer. Yeah, I agree. I think she sings in Untamed Youth also, so she's not like, it's not like she never sang, but it's kind of like Marilyn Monroe. Like, you don't think of Marilyn Monroe as a singer, but she sings some songs and like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. She's in a few other musicals and you're like, oh, she's actually not bad. And of course, maybe Van Doren, for those of you who don't know who this woman is because I don't think her her name has not gone down in the history books the way Marilyn Monroe's has. Mamie Van Doren is like one of the three great American blonde bombshells of like that era. It's Marilyn Monroe, Mamie Van Doren, Jane Mansfield. Mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe was really the only one who was big enough of a star to truly like, I don't want to say headline a movie because obviously Mamie Van Doren headlines this movie, but like, Marilyn Monroe was like a box office sensation. I don't think Mamie Van Doren and Jane Mansfield really were. Jane Mansfield was like almost like a B-movie queen for her day. She, her movies were kind of trashy. And they, she, did, she did movies in like the early 60s where they showed like nudity. And that's like, okay, Marilyn Monroe's not doing that. And <laughs> Mamie Van Doren may or may not have done that. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of her films to know if she engaged in such things. I think she's, she's like Marilyn Monroe light, at least in this movie. Yeah, so that's who she is. She's, you know, platinum blonde hair, gorgeous, buxom, right? Yep, yeah, very. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing as Marilyn Monroe, just probably not as talented and definitely not as much as of a star. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see this is a Warner Brothers release. This I kind of went into this expecting this to be like a true B-movie. And I don't know why. Maybe I've just seen some Jane Mansfield movies that were kind of like that. Because I'm not super familiar with Mamie Van Doren. I've seen her in, I think she's in Girl's Town. I've seen that. That was a Mystery Science Theater movie. Then I've seen Untamed Youth. That's probably about it. Jim, do you have any Mamie Van Doren experiences? No, I was going to say I've... She's still alive, by the way. Is she really? Yeah, she's she's probably in her 80s or something. (laughs) No, she's probably... I don't don't know if she's 90. (laughs) 
man. Let's see how old she is. No, oh, she is 92. Okay. Wow. No, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I do know her name, but I had never seen her in anything. Born in 1931. Jesus. She is perhaps best known for the rock and roll juvenile delinquency exploitation film Untamed Youth. That's what I was hoping this movie would be. I wanted rock and roll. We kind of get rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I wanted juvenile delinquency. I wanted exploitation. And that's so not what this was. And I was disappointed. Yeah, instead, this is like slow, soft, romantic comedy about traveling. I wouldn't even folks. say comedy. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't you're even right. say there. there's comedic elements to it, obviously, with Cool Man and, and everything. It was good to see him, by the way. The, the character's name is Cool Man. But he's played by Arthur Honeycutt, who I know him from... The Twilight Zone episode, The Hunt, which is a great episode. He is actually one of my favorite performances in that entire series. He's like an old man who goes out coon hunting and dies but doesn't realize it and then is kind of being brought to heaven but realizes that he doesn't want to be there if, if his dog isn't allowed to also be there. It's like a touching, <laughs> touching story. And here he plays Cool Man, who's just kind of a drinker and you know whatever it doesn't have a whole lot to do well what i was going to say so so i said first off maybe van doren fine voice and i'll say the rodeo stuff the rodeo stunts pretty fun some of them i, I don't know jim you're canadian so this, this is what you guys do all the time right? <laughs> yeah we build and stuff. And I, I realize i live closer to calgary than you do yeah but... <laughs> well you know it actually was like it it was interesting because I'm not really going to call them stunts, really. But, like, when they were when they were rustling that calf, you know, I thought that was kind of neat. That was where I felt so uncomfortable. So, like, you know, rodeo, whatever. You're on a, a horse or a, or, or a bull, and it's like, yeah, they're, they're throwing you around. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot of danger for the animal there. It's the person that's in danger, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that in this film. We see people get tossed, and, and they do the close-ups of Jeff Richards' which I rather enjoyed it. They were fairly well done, but it still kind of reminded me of like those shots in the old sixties, like Batman where you see Batman surfing and he's just standing in front of a green screen and just (laughs) tilting his body around. It it reminded me a little bit of that. It was certainly better done than that. The stuff that like bothered me. And I guess, you know, there's, there's bullfighting. There's, uh, there's, yeah. What's the, the, um, well, bullfighting is is the ole ole with yeah, the uh, yeah, well, with the little red even thing, like right? bull riding, and I assume the same thing with like horses. Like a bull, you you get a bull to buck by tying its fucking testes or like clamping down oh, on its testicles. I didn't That's know that. why it's bucking around so much okay. because it's in pain. It wants you. Off, so there is. You know? Well, I was going to say so there. So there is animal cruelty involved because the, the one when he lassoed the calf in particular, I was like, ooh, I don't like watching this. I feel bad for the thing. And well, it's funny. Like, like I, I, I think when it's done, right. but oh, I guess the whole thing is animal cruelty. Yeah, I, I think the exception done... of the women doing the different poses when as they're riding a horse, like that's yeah, or, or even like or even those guys doing the Roman ride where they had one foot on each horse. They were riding around. That, that was, was impressive. Yeah. That was impressive, yeah. I liked that a lot. But yeah, but like stuff, like there was that one guy who was trying to like rope that calf and it took like a solid minute and a half and he's just like yanking on this calf's leg. I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> like, stop it. Cut the camera. Yeah, please. yeah. I, I, I or that felt one bad horse that, that fell over like, oh. and like you could see it roll its neck on the ground, you know? Oh, I don't think like, I noticed that. Oh, uh, yeah. It was like a guy was riding and he got like bucked off the horse because the horse itself fell over face first into the dirt and like landed on its neck. And I was like, ugh, no thanks. A lot of the stunt stuff was impressive, and I, I'm sure they got just, a, you know, all the 
all the non-main characters in this, all the those guys are just rodeo performers, I'm sure. They're not actors. Yeah. But it's neat to, you know, they're good at their craft. I can say pretty confidently as we're watching characters watch them, it's made a little bit less exciting because it's, there's like no drama and <laughs> in the context <laughs> of the movie it's just like kind of time filler sort of, you know. Yeah, half of this movie was time filler. And this is why I, I this is why I think you're insane for going so hard against ambulance as you did because this movie is boring and there's so little plot. There's it's it's a it's essentially a romance movie, but there's so little to the romance. There's so little to the characters. They don't really have chemistry. Overall, I kind of liked Mamie Van Doren's performance, but like she and Jeff Richards did not hit it off. And then all yeah. the drama about the love triangle was like underdeveloped and then the drama about oh, he does like dangerous stuff is like I'm not even sure how much of that was in the film. I'm not sure how much of that is me projecting it into the film because I've seen Viva Las Vegas. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, you're right. There was nothing happening. There was very little plot. There wasn't much character development. Which is fine if this were a musical, if this were an excuse to go from musical number to musical number, or in this case, in this case, not musical number, but her profession is she performs at these rodeos she does songs at these like bars and saloons except she does like two songs maybe three now listen i want you to know patrick just so we're on the same page here i am picking ambulance as the better movie over this i just really hated ambulance <laughs> oh, so so how much did you hate this movie then <laughs> no, i didn't i didn't even really hate it i just found it like just lacking in everything the only redeeming thing I uh, I really <laughs> had in my notes about this movie was like the rodeo montage, like the first rodeo that they go to and they do the Roman riding and stuff like that. And then the guy making announcements, he was kind of funny. And he said like cool, quippy things like, ah, that boy's as fast as grease lightning, you know? And like, I was like, well, this part of the movie's interesting, you know? And then all the musical numbers, I think were fine. They were good. The songs were probably the highlight for me. Yeah, but other than that, it was just like a slow, boring romance about people Very who aren't boring, really that yeah. into each other, you know? And yeah. I fell asleep watching this movie. I watched it like two days ago. I fell asleep at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> There's a couple things here. I'm going to talk about some ways I might have enjoyed this movie more if this movie did blank or whatever, right? I'm going into this now. If it was more of a comedy, mm-hmm. i.e. Viva Las Vegas, I, or if, 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 you know, if you take... Marilyn Monroe her acting and put it in this movie and you just kind of make the Mamie Van Doren character kind of like a dumb blonde who's like not really aware that people are hitting on her or something or doesn't really get why people are in her you could maybe do something fun with that uh, making it more of a musical it's like early on in the in the movie Mamie Van Doren she doesn't really have anywhere to go she doesn't have like a job lined up so she kind of goes with Cobb but then that's like her job is irrelevant after that. And they just go and hang out with their Hispanic friends. Papa. This is why I thought Poppy was named Papa. I was thinking of oh, this movie. Yeah. Well, then even like you have a quote unquote blossoming love spark up between Kelly and Jackie. But the only reason she's she kind of likes him is because he punched a guy out when he was forcing himself on her. You know, yeah. and and nothing else. Like he doesn't really do anything else throughout the movie to kind of like earn more of her respect. And and same with her. No, that's that's definitely true. Yeah. How about this? You so I talked about this movie might have been better if it was more of a comedy. This movie might have been better if it was more of a musical. How about this? You make it a thriller. 
Jeff Richards, Kelly Cobb, punches out that dude, and then she trusts him, and then he ends up kidnapping her and, like, trying to rape her or something. He just, yeah, like, really, it goes, like, a really weird direction. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they, I don't think they would have done that in the 50s, but there's, no. there's something there, right? You know, he's the good guy, and we know what that means in movies. He's generally going to be a terrible human being but in the 50s i think the good guy was the good guy there were we didn't look at it as as having an ulterior motive too often i don't think yeah it, it, it's just kind of a shame that this movie i mean because i'll be honest patrick i have not even a third of a page in notes that i took about this it, it was just such a well you took more than me movie. yeah i made i made the decision before seeing this movie because so both of these movies i had never seen before I made the decision going into this movie, I'm not going to take notes. I'm going to talk about this just off the cuff, and we don't have to go plot by plot point by plot point. Little did I know there would be one plot point in the film. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And this is, you know, I think this, now is as good a time as ever. We're done with Born Reckless. Jim, yeah. what did you think of it? Uh, it was boring. It was, it was, it was nothing. It was, it was not offensive, but it was not interesting either. You know, the only it also doesn't belong on our list. No, I'll say this. And with that title, you'd think it would if this was like a rock and roll Western. You know, this is in the 50s This is the early days of rock and roll. You could have done something with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, because it was just it, it just seemed kind of like a mainstream, boring love movie. And, and this is another thing. I'm not sure, you know, if this movie were like. I don't, I'm not sure this is what the movie's trying to do, but if this movie were trying to just be a vehicle for the sex symbol that is Mamie Van Doren, I don't think it pulls that off really at all. Whereas I'll go back to Marilyn Monroe again. Some Like It Hot is a vehicle for the preeminent sex symbol of that day, but it's also a good, fun comedy. Like, it's not just that. That's certainly an aspect to it. Same with like the Seven Year Itch, which is of course the famous movie where the she's over the subway and her dress comes up. I actually think that yeah. movie kind of sucks, but it's not just trying to trying to be. Hey, we have a hot woman in this movie. It's trying to do more than that. I just don't think it's very good. But yeah, this is just like ugh, it almost boring. Let me, I, I don't I don't know how many movies had come out before this starring you know Mamie Van Doren, but like at least several. At least okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I can because look that I, up. Because for a while I was thinking, like, is this is this movie being made simply to kind of showcase her possible talents in other possible projects? But by the end of it, I was just like, what, what did I watch? It was nothing. It was almost like a yeah. Hallmark movie, you know? You know what? It's a Hallmark movie. If we combine this with, you mentioned White Christmas earlier. Yeah. If we combine this with they're in the desert and they're lamenting how they don't get to experience the season's come christmas time and then, and then suddenly it, it's it finally snows on christmas eve yeah. then it's a hallmark movie yeah you're right I'll, okay i'll give you that one but yeah i mean i mean i i the problem is like i didn't there weren't really stakes to this movie like this this love plot was just so uninteresting and it's like i don't really care if she ends up with him and then she's jealous because he's got uh, the woman from she's got Vincent Price's ex-wife from House on Haunted Hill in the picture. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, does he even know he's like losing her? He just kind of comes back to her, and it like doesn't matter. And then there's like, oh, like oh, he needs to do this rodeo thing. But I'm just like, I don't care about this. They didn't r- really establish any, any drama any, yeah. like anywhere. 
Yeah, there were no stakes for anything really, other than winning money so that they could. Yeah, there were. I don't know about you. There were plenty of stakes. You just chop up one of those bulls. Yeah, plenty. (laughs) Or if you're in Britain, chop up a horse and call it a and call it cow. Well, I guess I guess with that, Patrick, I know your answer, and I've already given you mine. But uh, which movie did you like better? Ambulance. It had its problems, but overall, it was a fun, exhilarating hour and a half that unfortunately had another 35, 40 minutes <laughs> at the back end of that. But no, I, I really enjoyed Ambulance. I enjoyed it more than I was expecting to. I thought it was a very, very fun action movie, and Born Reckless is dull. There's, I, well, there's well, I guess nothing. there's plenty of other ways to put it, but that's, yeah, that's it's, it's dull. Jim. Yeah, well, as, as much as much as I didn't like Ambulance, which I have to apologize to you, I think right now, and the listeners, I was much too harsh on it, and I'm not sure why. I think I just started this podcast in a foul fucking mood. No, don't, 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 don't back down. You're going to no, make I, our listeners not, think think I'm not, you're just. I'm not. I'm not backing down. Being I'm not persuaded. Down. I still. I still don't. If like you hate it. ambulance, say you hate it. I fucking hate ambulance. I will never. I I can tell you right now. Both of these movies. I will never watch either of them again in my life. I'm a little upset that Michael Bay made Ambulance. Uh, I can tell you right now that it cost about $40 million to make over 38 days, and worldwide it made about $52 million. Yes, it was a flop, but that was also because, keep in mind, this was the post-COVID era. Everything was flopping except for Spider-Man. I don't think that's a reflection of the movie, but yes, it did not. No, but I think Michael Bay should personally refund everybody their tickets and refund me the 4.99 it costs to rent this on youtube in canada oh come on <laughs> you work like three jobs and you're complaining about 4.99 that is Fuck true. Off. <laughs> uh, yeah i work three jobs because i can't afford anything also i just realized so so ambulance is a universal picture we're recording this in early november i probably had the ability to watch this on peacock because oh. I subscribe to Peacock one month a year because that's October. You watch as many of those old school horror movies as you can. Haven't canceled it yet. And I'm assuming this was probably on there, but I didn't think and I rented it. Michael Bay, pay me back. Even though I like <laughs> <the film. laughs> now, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I really didn't like it. Again, I'll never watch it again. But it was more of an interesting watch over Born Reckless. I don't know. I, I already got it all out of my system. I'm relaxed now. I think I'm going to have a beer and never watch Ambulance again. But first, I, Jim, I want you to answer the question. How do these two films stack up as a drive-in double feature? They don't. They don't. They don't no. work at Absolutely all. Absolutely not. <laughs> There's a world where maybe the reverse could be interesting because Born Reckless is just so boring. And then Ambulance is like, whoa, my God, things are happening. And um, like wakes yeah. you up out of yeah, your coma. Yeah, even then... I think while like, you're watching the cops slip into one and <laughs> but no it's it's yeah it's that's good and and it hurts born reckless really isn't a drive-in movie either and this is the problem that we've run into maybe just this one time i don't know in that you know if i'm putting movies on this list that i've never seen mm-hmm. you were going to get a dud every now and then not just not just that it's like a boring or a bad movie but that it just really doesn't belong with the type of films that we're trying to talk about and you know who you you can never know until you try no you know though but i think that's fun to do that because sometimes once in a while you need a dud right and we got to watch a movie that neither of us have ever seen so 
two movies, in fact. Yeah, and overall, I mean, this season has been, it's a lot of films I haven't seen before. Valley of Guanji, Twice Dead, Single White Female, and both of these movies. This is exciting. <laughs> so I am recording this a few days later because we need a new outro because we ended up scrapping one of the movies that was randomly selected for next week. So originally... We had the 2008 British bank thriller starring Jason Statham, The Bank Job. Very, very memorable title, but hey, another bank heist movie. So we're keeping that one because the problems were not with that. The problems were with the next film, the 1981 John and Bo Derek movie, Fantasies. I say 1981 because that is when it was released. However, it was shot several years earlier and not released for some time perhaps because Bo Derek was underage when it was made and she is apparently rather nude in the film as she is in all John Derek films yeah that's just something neither of us <laughs> neither of us want to get into neither of us want to talk about neither of us want to watch so we're keeping the bank job and we took another Spin on the random number generator, and we got the 1986 Stuart Gordon cult classic From Beyond. A lot of nudity in that movie, too, quite frankly, but it's of people of age, so, you know, I don't see a problem with that. So, the bank job From Beyond, that is what we have in store for you next time. We hope to see you there.